It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Today, I'm sitting down with Tiffany, who I found on TikTok, (laughs) just scrolling through my For You page, as it's called there. And you just organically stumble upon people without seeking them out. And TikTok's so fascinating in the way that it seems to know you. It gives you more of what you like. And I like to learn about different ways of thinking, living, approaching life and business. And I can't remember the very first video I found of yours, Tiffany, because it's been quite some time and I've watched a lot of your content. But it seemed to have been a statement you were making around helping people who are feeling low energy. I think you might have referred to them as like low energy creatives. And you started talking about creative burnout. And I wanted to begin our conversation with a better understanding of what creative burnout means to you. What's your definition of that? Yeah, creative burnout, I can speak to it from like my personal lens and I feel like it looks different for everybody. And in this space of defining creative burnout, first I offer looking at what's going around, like what's going on. It's the holidays or there's things approaching. There might be an anniversary, birthday, start of the year. Like there's so many things that contribute to your creative inspiration. But then on the other side of that, When you run out of that inspiration, when you run out of that energy, when you're close to finishing a project, you burn that creative energy. It does burn out. And instead of feeling guilty or shame around not wanting to create, I came up with the phrase or was introduced to the phrase creative burnout. And so it just, to me, it's that phase where you don't really feel like creating, you don't have that jumble of ideas or inspiration, but you're just kind of equivalent to winter. It's like a hibernation period. And so it might come frequently for you, especially if you have like chronic illness or any transition going on in your life, or it might come seasonally or once a year, but it looks different for everybody. And that's what creative burnout means to me. One thing I really appreciate around the work that you do, Tiffany, and this definition too, is that self-care looks different for everybody. You said that, I think, verbatim in one of your videos. And I think that's so important because burnout is going to show up differently. It's based on so many different factors in our life. What even causes it to happen? You and I, before recording, I'd mentioned the trauma side of it, like the various traumas each of us go through. And in fact, it seems to me through my research around trauma that most people experience some version of what they call lowercase t trauma, which is not as traumatic as being disabling or sometimes even obvious impact in your life that that is usually referred to as uppercase T trauma. But I think that many of us are carrying around trauma either from, well, I guess it's like all social related. I was going to say it could be from our parents, our teachers, our friends, society, that all feels social related. And I'm curious for you as part of your definitions and exploration around burnout, like how much of that is coming from external pressure and these ideas around like conforming and trying to meet some sort of socially constructed ideal 
or standard? That is a great question. I will say a turning point for me was reading The Four Agreements in that it talks a lot about how we are so used to going through these experiences that we like domesticate ourselves and we fuel our judge. And I talk about this a lot in my content too, where you sit in the seat of the judge or you are either in the observation seat. So as you are learning and you are embracing your journey of self-care and you're unlearning some things, you also have to take into consideration, like, am I sitting in the judge and continuing to try to force myself to fit in or to whatever I think I should be doing? Or am I going to observe and really see, does this even make me comfortable? Do I even like face masks? Do I even enjoy this? Or am I just doing it because this is what the definition of elegance or self-care or loving myself is supposed to look like and feel like and it's supposed to. No, especially if you are working through trauma in any letter or a capital lowercase, any regard, that's heavy. And it's not a switch that's just going to turn on and off. It's rebuilding some foundational things. And that isn't easy to chisel in and get under and rebuild that support and fill in. But that was the pivotal moment for me where I said, I'm going to sit back and observe for a year. And then that year taught me some things. And then now it's, I'll see how that feels for me. Yeah. I love that you gave this a year of your time. Was it literally a year for you that you Did you put things on pause? Like, what did it look like in that year where you sat back to observe? And what did you learn from it? I did it unintentionally prior to reading the four agreements because it was when my mom passed away. I had to quit my job from D.C. I relocated to North Carolina whenever we got her updates about her health declining. And so I took a year. I didn't teach. I went to Egypt for a yoga retreat. Um, And then I went to Thailand. And then whenever I came back, it was what? February 2020, I went for a job interview, like the week of the year anniversary of my mom's passing. And I was hired, had a job, worked for a week, and then everything shut down because pandemic. So then we read the four agreements later in that year, my husband and I. And then that is what... So yes, intentionally, I gave myself like three years, I guess, to just really reflect and observe. But after doing the work for the four agreements, that is what gave me the journal prompt to really be observant of. I'm so glad you're bringing up The Four Agreements because I haven't thought about that book in a long time. It makes me want to reread it and reflect on the lessons there because it is such a powerful book. And for the listener, I'll link to that book as a reminder for you too in the show notes where anything we talk about today will be included. If you want to visit wellevator.com, that's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We'll put that in there for you to make it easy. And this idea of observing is so powerful because I think a lot of us are so caught up in the hustle and the grind and going so fast that we might not even take the time to pause, rest, recharge. I think those are some of the words that come up in your content too. But do you feel like that's accessible to everyone or is it a privilege to have the ability to pause and recharge? I think both can be true. I think it's a privilege to have seen it done before, to where you don't even have to be aware of you pausing. To be operating in survival, first you have to be safe. First you have to have a space where you're safe. I can tell people to take a deep breath all day, but if you are in a space that you cannot settle in, what is that? No, that's not going to be helpful at all. But to know that even if you can't go outside for a walk, 
I have content where it's like, here's me sharing my sunshine with you from today. Because I know not everybody has access to safe neighborhoods. Not everybody has access to trails that they can just go to or even weather or or whatever accessibility limitations are there. They might not be able to go. And I think it requires more spaces that allow people to get access for them to go to for it to be something that everybody can access so that it's not a privilege, that it's a right. And truly, it should be a right. Truly, it should be. Wow, that is so articulate and so powerful and helpful because you're helping me understand like the difference between what a privilege is, uh, what a right is, how access plays a role in all of this. Because I feel like to your point of how things look differently for everybody. It really depends a lot on your circumstances, what your solutions are, what's going to help you get there. And one thing that's rubbed me the wrong way about health and wellness for so many years is this like one size fits all approach or just too much emphasis on the quick fixes. And to your point, like what if something as simple as going into nature that might seem simple to me but it's not simple for everybody or accessible. In fact, actually for me, it's not that accessible where I live in a big city of Los Angeles. The beach is available and it's relatively accessible, but it's not as accessible as stepping outside my door. So I have to pause my entire day to go experience nature. I have to have the ability to do that. I have to have the energy to do that too. And you talk a lot about the low energy side of it. So access might be the literal access of where something is. And then there's also the emotional access. Like, are you in a place where you can emotionally take the next steps for self-care? Yeah, it's a lot to ponder. I'm wondering, how do you guide someone to figure all this out for themselves? Because it seems to me when people are feeling burnt out, they might feel so overwhelmed, overstimulated, They might be caught up in the shame that often comes along with it. Like, it's so intense. Like, some people don't either know or know how to take the next steps because that's so intense for them. It does look different for everybody. I think redefining a starting place is the first conversation that I have with anybody that I work with or how that shows up in my content. I will say, You get to choose your starting place. It does not have to be New Year's Day. It does not have to be the first day of spring. It can be whenever you feel that you're ready to pivot. And that starting place doesn't have to be perfect. Let it be messy. Let it be a little unclear. And that's okay. And so as we unpack and redefine and kind of get rid of the stuff, the guilt and the shame that can surround your current state, that's where you get introduced and plugged into grace. And ultimately, that's what I want to put forward for everybody. The word grace is so appealing to me. There's something very comforting about thinking about what grace is. Because I don't know if I give myself a lot of grace. And I don't know if I've felt a lot of grace from other people. What does grace look like for you in your life, Tiffany? And how do you help people find it for themselves? I'll share a quote that I heard the other day. And this is what grace means to me. When you stop putting a question mark everything after everything and you start putting an exclamation point 
it's not necessarily apologizing because I feel like I'm very self-aware. I know when I'm making a mistake. I know when I'm messing up. I know whenever I fall short. I know whenever I don't do it perfectly. And I do everything that I can to make sure I don't make it ever again. Like I never, ever, ever, ever want to make the same mistake twice. So now I trust that. So now I let that be the inspiration behind me learning instead of saying, okay, I want to do this thing, but now I need to have it all figured out and needs to be perfect and put together. Now it's, I'm learning and I can adapt. I have the evidence. I have the evidence that in my life, even whenever I fall short, it still was enough. And I was able to even improve from being enough to taking it beyond somebody else's expectations. And grace for me allowed me to switch and to say, I know I'm operating in this space. I don't feel bad for being a perfectionist. I don't feel guilty for that. It's a matter of this is how I show love. This is how I show passion. And instead of feeling guilty for wanting to do things well, I trust that I will do things as best as I can. And that's what grace in action looks like for me. Trust is part of this too. And I've mentioned on the podcast before how I've struggled a lot with trust. And I feel like I have some trauma there. Oftentimes I've wondered that I have struggled with trusting myself. That's where I feel like the trauma is, right? Similar to like the grace, like not giving myself that grace. And I also struggle with trusting other people, which is usually me thinking somebody's not going to understand me or they're not going to do it in the way that feels comfortable for me. I think a lot of that comes out of the neurodivergent journey that I've been on of seeing how different my brain works and seeing that connection like, okay, it's hard to trust because trust is tied into feeling different for me, if that makes sense. It's like other people don't seem to trust me because they want me to do things their way. And I think that burns me out because I'm trying to conform. I'm trying to do things their way. I'm not giving myself grace. And so that lack of inner trust of like, you were talking about mistakes, for example, Tiffany, of basically it's okay to make mistakes and you can learn from your mistakes and you can adapt. Absolutely. I don't think I've had a lot of permission to make mistakes. And thus I feel the shame and I I lack the self-trust but I simultaneously get extremely frustrated with other people when they make mistakes and that, and thus I've developed a lack of trust for others because I'm like, uh-oh, I've been told over and over again that it's not okay to make mistakes. So not only can I not make them, but I don't want to see somebody else make them. So I don't have trust for anybody. <laughs> You're nodding your head a lot. I'm curious how what parts of this resonate with you or have you just seen them play out in other people enough to recognize them? The first thing goes back to the conversation about the four agreement. We're so used to operating in that seat of the judge and your judge is like on fire. Like I cannot make a mistake. I cannot do this. I need to be able. And it does take us away. It does disconnect us from trust. On my personal journey of accepting neurodivergence, accepting that I was different, trust for me had to look a lot different because you're so used to masking. You're so used to trying to like say no what I'm doing is wrong, what feels natural, what feels good, what feels like joy for me is wrong. And for the longest, it was as simple as saying what my favorite color was. I would always say it's purple. It's purple. It's brown. I love the color brown. 
And for the longest, I would not say my favorite color is brown because people will be like, oh, brown. Why do you like brown? That was the reaction. So in order to avoid it, I navigated around it and I would just say purple, you know, or I like all the colors. So it's things like that, that kind of take away that we don't even know that it's slowly taking. And it might not show up instantly. It might show up years later of you just exhausting yourself. And eventually you do kind of domesticate yourself. So now you're going into social situations with that already. I know I'm going to feel guilty, shame and awkward after. So I'm coming into this. I'm bringing this to the table. And in the work that I do, if I could like put intention behind it, it would be offering a virtual room where we do take out that shame and guilt and we do give permission for it to be in the corner for a little bit. Like it's here. I'm not going to say don't feel guilty because it's real. It's real. Let's talk about it. It's here, but it doesn't have to be in the driver's seat. It can be in the back seat. It doesn't get the aux cord. It doesn't get to control the music. It's along for the journey where all of you, the whole you deserves grace. The whole you deserves opportunities to create and know that that's enough of what you're bringing to the table. You don't need to be any better. You don't need to be like, I don't know, cleansed of all of the things in order for you to have access to grace. And so that's what I would like to build on my little corner of the internet. And I'm trying to figure out a way to like say it in 15 seconds in a catchy dance on TikTok so it can just go and you know hit the audience. I haven't figured that out yet, but again, we're learning, we're adapting and evolving. I'm laughing because I haven't figured that out either, Tiffany. I mean, I I think about that with TikTok because I love TikTok. I mean, I don't know if I love creating on there very much. I definitely feel a sense of burnout, but I'm still trying to figure out like, I think that burnout was already there. I don't think TikTok's responsible for my burnout. And it's kind of a shame because the joy I feel through TikTok feels hard to access sometimes through my own content because I do feel creatively burnt out. So obviously, I was very drawn to your work, wondering like, okay, she can relate to this and she's got some tips around this, which I'm so grateful for. But before we get more into that, I just want to say I love that your favorite color is brown. I think I saw that in one of your videos and was delighted by it because it's so cool and unique and how interesting that people judge you for a color choice Or even the fact that people judge color, we see this with humanity, judgment around color and skin color. But like, when I think of the color brown, it's so neutral. And then I find like, actually, it's not just neutral. It's really interesting. Like, it's just a natural color like that shows up in all parts of nature. Like some of my favorite things are brown, like trees, like the dirt that we eat from, like there's just... It blows my mind, those type of judgments. And it's also heartbreaking to think of having to hide something that we really love, something that brings us joy because of the judgments or because it's just too exhausting to navigate judgmental conversations. So thank you for your transparency with that. And in terms of creative burnout, one thing that you said that I wrote down is it's okay if your timeline looks different. And I think it's okay if we're not always creating. You actually posted something else on TikTok as I was binging all your content before we recorded today about how you wanted to say something, but you decided not to. I forgot how you phrased it, but it was like, 
you were acknowledging that you wanted to post a TikTok and you did, but you weren't actually doing the content that you were thinking. Instead, you were making content about the process of making content, which is kind of like this meta experience. And sometimes we don't have to conform to what the algorithm seems to be rewarding people for. I think there's so much pressure when it comes to creativity these days. So I would love to hear more about like, how do you navigate that, Tiffany? Like, because you are creating a lot of content on there while simultaneously acknowledging that it's not always coming out the way you want it to. And that's okay. No, I think one thing is if I could gain the momentum to shatter the creator economy with my next venture and what I want to provide, that's what I want to do. Because whenever I think about the journey of creators on TikTok or YouTube, and they finally get that pacing and they're making that content and they're getting their people, they have it, they burn out, and then they shut down their platforms. But can they really take a break? They've built their platform off of posting extreme amount of times a day, doing things that just are extreme versions of themselves. And I do believe that there is a way to build your platform in a way that feels authentic, that's not an extreme expense to your creativity that allows you to rest and recharge and then come back. But it is slower. It is slow. I have people that I started out with and they're at 10K, you know, those numbers, those impressive numbers. But I'm chilling with my 2.5 thousand followers. We're okay. We have a little corner and it's okay. But I think that's the exchange that I had to be okay with. Yes, I'm going to go slow. So that means growth is going to be that. Yes, I'm going to show up authentically and I'm going to take breaks, but I'm not going to hit those viral moments. I'm going to have those spurts and it's going to still happen. But I do have to like take it in stride because it's not going to happen at the same pace as everybody else. And another reason why I want to shatter the creator economy is because There are so many spaces that are saying, creators, you have value as long as you're creating. As long as you're showing up and you're producing this content, we will reward you. And it's interesting because I've also did a little research in user experience design. Whenever a new feature comes out on TikTok, they highlight it. You use this feature, you'll get pushed, whatever. There's also a wellness feature on TikTok that Instagram also put out. And it's like, oh, we'll remind you to take a break after you've been on the app so many times but there was no reward for using it. There was no promotion behind it. There was nothing. And it's like those spaces that still sends a message. And so I want to create a space. I don't know how it's going to evolve. I don't know what it is, but I'm doing so much market research right now. I'm trying to like figure it out, but like creatives deserve a space where they can be affirmed in saying you still have value, even when you aren't creating. Matter of fact, We can both have grace and accountability to finish these projects, but also like both things. You don't have to be either or. It can be both and. And that's where, I don't know if I answered your question, Um, but I hope I did. Oh my God. Well, you took this in a direction that is even better than something I could have asked because that I got chills just hearing you talk about shattering the creator economy because Tiffany, I will be there with you. I will support you in this endeavor. I mean, there's nothing that would bring me more joy. And I think it's already happening in some ways because I've been part of the creator economy, if you want to call it that, before it was even a creator economy. And I'm not saying that from like an ego standpoint, just when I first started creating content online, there was no such thing as an influencer. And watching the evolution has been exciting, but also disheartening. 
before I started doing online content, I was doing filmmaking and a very traditional career path and got very drawn into this digital world, probably because of burnout. I mean, working in the film industry in Los Angeles in general is extremely disheartening. So many people come to cities like this with these big dreams and deep creativity. And it's kind of the metaphor for a lot of what you're describing or parallel, I should say, where both digital creators now and people like myself were in the more traditional industry path, having knowledge and skill and talent, and then coming here and saying, that's actually not how this works. There's a whole game that's based on a lot of rules that I was never taught and I never wanted to be part of to begin with. And the type of people that I would meet were so often judgmental. They were cutthroat. They just didn't care about who you were, kind of like what you're saying around the wellness side. Social media doesn't care about your wellness at all. When I think about shattering the creator economy, I often wonder, like, do I even want to play a role in it anymore in the social side? Because I know it's not good for our mental health on most levels. Now, the benefits are connecting with someone like yourself, Tiffany. I wouldn't have met you if it weren't for TikTok, likely. We live in completely different parts of the country. I'm exposed to people like you. I get to learn from people like you. That's why I returned to TikTok. That's why I haven't left. So it's not 100% true that there's no wellness benefits because the mental health impacts of connection, of community, of education are enormous. But what you're pointing out is so similar to a lot of creative industries where, like going back to the film industry, you were actually encouraged to burn yourself out. It was almost like survival of the fittest when I worked in that world because most of production days are 12 plus hours. I just saw an interview with one of the stars from the White Lotus TV show, and she was describing her day starting at 4 a.m. She wouldn't get home till 7 p.m. And then she's talking about going out to dinner. And I'm thinking, what? When do you sleep? And I know that that show was in production for like five months. Can you imagine? I mean, maybe you can, Tiffany, because you have a a young child. And so you're probably not getting much sleep. (laughs) That's a completely different thing, though. But can you imagine like, having to adhere to the standards of all this type of creativity at the expense of your well-being and that being normalized. Mm -hmm. So normalized in these industries that it deeply disturbs me. And it extends beyond even now. I think I went to the Van Gogh experience and there was a quote and I can't think of it verbatim, but he says, I spent so much time doing what I love that I lost my mind in the process. And so historically, creatives have not been supported, but we are what's in the history books. We are creations extend beyond our lifetime. But for at the same time, we feel like it's so short or so insignificant or it's not good enough and we can't put it out. So I do appreciate platforms like TikTok because it makes it accessible. You don't have to go through these channels of getting certain certifications or having a certain quality of phone or uh, material or equipment or having certain connections and getting a manager. Like it's right here right now. But I do think that in the evolution of a creator and finding your niche, if that's the path that you want to take, there is some a journey of discovery that is 
neglected to be talked about or even encouraged whenever you're talking about creators. I don't feel like I have a niche yet. I don't feel like I have like all of those things figured out. And every time I go to a business coach or try to get support or get a mentor, they're like, what's your niche? What's your target? What are the message that you're going to say? What's the pillars of your content? And I think I'm sure that works for some, but whenever you feel different your entire life, whenever you've had to creatively overcome obstacles, you don't necessarily have the answers. Google doesn't even have the answers for you. The other day I tried to Google something that I was experiencing and Google was like, here's like an article about this thing that has this keyword. So like, (laughs) I think that whenever we have to operate in such of our creative space, we do feel othered in a way and we grow comfortable there. We thrive there, matter of fact, but it's not easily explained. And unfortunately, TikTok only gives us 15 seconds or point whatever seconds to grab attention. And if you don't come in and you're not aggressive in the camera and you're not like, hey, you want to know what I cook for dinner? Or like whatever, like swoop or hook or whatever the rules of engagement are. But I think that it's beautiful to know that I'm still standing in this world where things are finally slowing down on TikTok. People are like, oh no, you don't have to make perfect content. Do the real life rugged. I've been here. I didn't want to do that anyway. I've been doing real life rugged. This is me in my bonnet. I'm chilling. This is what I'm coming with you to you with. And it's cool to see them catch up, but it's unfortunate that it's a trend. And I know that it'll eventually lap past me again. But if there's anything that I've learned in this journey that I do pass on with any creative that I can share is everything is a phase. Burnout, it's a phase. Creative abundance, it's a phase that little in-between juicy spot that you got like peak creativity and then like you can actually take a break and rest. Like, oh, I'm noticing that my body is hungry. Let me go eat instead of working on this project for 800 hours. That beautiful spot, it's a phase two. And if we normalize the fact that things are temporary, we are only here for a short time. And to honor the seasons that we're in and to truly observe and not judge, I think that we'll be here for such a much longer time than the people that are doing it quick and fast. So much of what you're sharing resonates with me. I'm like, I don't even know what to say next. (laughs) I mean, it is interesting. I find that comforting too, the knowing that things are a phase. Like right now, we're recording this in December 2022. And in the last week or two, there's been so much focus on my For You page. Just not going to be true of everybody. But I saw so much content around the AI platform chat GPT and like all these people saying like, this is the next thing and you got to get on this and you got to master it. And people already started to teach classes on it. And I was like sitting here going, I don't like that feeling of rushing towards the newest trend. That to me is a huge downside to a platform like TikTok where there's so much cultural pressure to get in on a trend. And Tiffany, like I so much rather a creator showing up in their pajamas, showing up, not doing the latest thing, like everything you're sharing about yourself. This is exactly why we're talking right now. Like I'm drawn to you. I'm so turned off by that. In fact, you know how on TikTok, as you're mentioning the hook, (laughs) there's also the opposite effect where like you'll know within a split second if you're turned off by something. Mm -hmm. I've been leaning into that when I scroll because actually the hooks turn me off. When there isn't a hook, a lot of times I'm a little bit more interested because it feels different. It feels real. And so I just want to say for you and anyone like you, Tiffany, like keep going with not doing the hook. Keep going with not showing up perfect or polished. The way so much content 
for example, in the podcast world, there's this whole trend of making these clips and they all like use the exact same caption style. It's like white lettering with yellow and they're like the certain font and they stick out. Those all blend together for me. They all look the same because so many people are doing that style that now they don't actually have an appeal. They don't stand out anymore. Ironically, you tend to stand out when you're authentically yourself because it's truly unique versus trying to shape yourself into being this the trendy style. And it is sad to me that authenticity has become a trend because then for someone like me who craves authentic creators, it's harder to find it. Because I get sometimes the hook is someone pretending to be authentic. And then I'm like, I feel hoodwinked now. Is that the right term? Like, like you just pulled a fast one on me because you're not authentic. You're just pretending to be authentic to hook me in so that I buy your product or service that you're promoting. So it's a really strange state of the world that we're in. But coming back to that comforting phase of everything is temporary in our lives all the time. It's just like somehow society convinces us that, no, this is the right way to do it. Like you're talking about too with the niche. I'm sitting here cringing and thinking, yeah, but that's the most cliche marketing advice you can give somebody. That's like marketing 101 beginners. I think it has some value, but not if it doesn't resonate with you. Like Tiffany, maybe you don't need a niche. If you don't naturally have a niche, maybe you don't need one or maybe yours is just more subtle. To me, your niche is creative burnout. Your niche is encouraging people to be well. Like there it is. It doesn't need to be any more than that. I agree. I think also whenever I hear niche, I hear a lot of people that don't get access to the stuff. I mean, it depends on who you're talking to as far as what their definition of niche and target audience is and pain points. But I've always been on, if I'm targeting and I'm going after women who are new moms, like if I have those specifics, like that's leaving out a lot of people. And the part that people aren't saying out loud is ableism. They need to be able to access my material. They need to be able to access this price point. And nobody's saying it boldly, but they will say it in their content. Whenever you have flashy content, whenever it's fast, there is a group of people that don't access it. And I hope that the ease and the comfort and the wellness that I want to channel in my content is accessible. And I know that it's not perfect. There are a couple of pushes that I want to do to make it a little more accessible, but operating in the capacity that I can, I'm doing what I can. But in those meetings, that's always what I've heard is just, oh, it's so thick with ableism because nobody's thinking about, well, how will this person access it if they need text-to-speech or if they do need those transcriptions or their captions and you have your captions just going at a pace where like, it's just for visual appeal, not for anybody to read. And so it's it's like, you're missing the point. You're missing an opportunity to really serve with your content. And you are just like teasing dessert and then like snatching it away. You're like, oh yeah, everybody can come sit at this table because everybody has experienced overwhelm. Everybody has experienced stress. Everybody I'm sure has experienced burnout in some extent. However, not everybody experiences it to the point where they are shut in, to where their systems shut down, to where they get sick, to where they develop illness or they're immunocompromised or like there's so many other things that's now invisible. But now that it's normalized to be overwhelmed in your business, let's talk about the purpose-driven, somebody told me to say 
have this as my niche, like the passion-driven entrepreneur and creative that's overwhelmed right now in their business and how I can fix that and cater to that. And it's like, yes, but I'm not trying to fix them feeling overwhelmed because unfortunately, when you're experiencing neurodivergence or whenever you are experiencing chronic illness or a flare or any of those things, overwhelm isn't a privilege that just gets taken away by meditating for five minutes in the morning. It might help. It might really help, but it doesn't take away the chronic pain. It doesn't take away those symptoms. And so I guess this wraps up like the grace and being able to observe and building that trust within yourself is I don't want to trick anybody in disconnecting with their body further on this journey because I truly feel like creativity comes from inspiration outside, but also within. And a lot of creatives value that transparency and that authenticity. So if I'm taking them out of that box and saying like, well, no, you're not experiencing these things or everybody does that, it gets dangerous because then you start doing that to yourself and you start second guessing it. And who's to say that when you really needed help or when you just really needed a space to just allow it to be quiet, there was no space available or you didn't even know where you could go. And so that's what I hope to show up in in my business, which is why I got rid of Zoom. I don't do Zoom coaching calls anymore because why do we have to look at each other for me to tell you that you're phenomenal and you're great? You know what I'm saying? Like why? I have the free version. Like if you want to get on there, we can, but like I'm really modifying it to see how can I consistently show up for the conversations that matter while also not burning myself out. And that has been the journey that I've been on this past year of this is what I'm really good at. I'm good at a lot of things. I identify as a multi-passionate creative. I can do, I'm talented in a lot of things. So I put all of it out there. And honestly, the people that are coming and kind of like picking up those crumbs, they're like, oh, we don't need grapes right now. We just want the bread in this season. Like, so I'm able to see. And it's like, okay, well, how much energy did it take for me to make this bread? And is that a mutual exchange? Because I might only be able to make bread once a year and that might just have to be it. Or is it something where I'm able to make produce, 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 and it feels good for me. And it's a mutual exchange. So that's where I am in my evolution of my journey. And it's not failing. So I feel like hopefully I can encourage other creators to get on this journey too. It's slow. If you need fast money, I don't have those answers. There are tons of courses and strategists out there that will tell you how to get it fast. By all means, I don't want anybody to put anything at risk. However, if you have time to just slow down and to just truly tune in to you first, that's extremely important for me. I feel so honored and blown away by so many things that you've said today. One thing that I find interesting is even the consistency. I mean, first of all, I had full body chills when you started talking about ableism, like the access to things and the inclusivity, the like really paying attention to everyone, not the just the majority. I mean, I think a lot about this when it comes to being neurodivergent. You are technically in a minority because statistically, I think like one in five people are neurodivergent. So that puts you in a minority there. And so a lot of people are not considering your needs, especially as you mentioned, the invisible illness side of it. Like you can be struggling with things. There are people like you and me, Tiffany, like we talked about privately how it's a late in life realization or diagnosis around being neurodivergent, which comes with its own trauma because there's second guessing that comes into place. But you're also thinking like, wow, I'm mourning like something in my life that I never had. I didn't realize like 
and then the society is not realizing it. What do I need in terms of accessibility? What accommodations do I need? Like, it's a lot of work just doing that and sorting through all of it. And then for me, it was like, oh my God, who else is going through this? Who else have I interacted with in life and didn't accommodate them because I didn't realize? To me, ableism, I've become acutely aware of it. And to your point, there's a lot of that in marketing. And given that so much of my work is in the marketing world, I'm really trying to address it differently because so much of marketing focuses on the majority or it focuses on a very small percent of the population. It's like, to your point, you're encouraged to exclude people in your marketing. It's like, let me just pick a small group of people and target them and like exclude the other people that don't fit in this box. And I understand the reasons for it, but it doesn't feel right to me. And I think that's part of what you're expressing too. And social media, like the pressure of it, going back to something else you said earlier of like being rewarded. You're not rewarded for inclusivity, actually. You're not rewarded for making things accessible. And so if you look at the opposite of this, you're rewarded for being exclusive. You're rewarded for shutting people out. And that's giving a message over and over again, saying that somebody is not worthy or valuable because they're not getting the accommodations that they need. And I would say for someone like you, Tiffany, who's figuring this out, like, we need more people like you that have that awareness. We need more people that are stepping into and saying, I will not conform because that does not serve me. That does not serve the people that I want to reach. I am okay with slowing down, even if I will not be rewarded. It's a hard exchange because that makes me step away from like capitalism. That makes me step away from looking at certain measures in my business that define success. And for the longest, although I didn't care for money, money is also a nice benefit, you know, like it's nice. (laughs) And sometimes it's necessary, but how do you find that middle ground and be okay and firm in where you are whenever there are people that's like, I made six figures in 30 days just by doing this digital product. And it's like, I've created digital products. I've done this and I don't want to, there are certain price points that I just, I'm sure that the value is there. I don't doubt the value that I deliver, but it doesn't feel right for me to have it at that high price, which is also something that there's so much unlearning that happens on this journey of entrepreneurship and like monetizing your creativity or whatever exchange. There's mutual aid groups that also are great for creators. I haven't found a home yet in which I'm ready to like exchange whatever services for another service. But I do think that that is starting to grow a little stronger in some communities through TikTok and through certain groups. And hopefully the wellness champion can like have that ripple effect that where we can cushion and kind of be in this creative space where we exchange energy with each other that's not driven by funds, that's not driven by money. I can't guarantee it now. I don't have the path mapped out, but like that's where I would like to go. Just because to see the creativity just fizzle out and stay out, it breaks my heart to see any creative go through that journey or to see those just like potential sparks, you know, when somebody is on fire talking about the things that they love and their ambitions. And then in the same breath, they talk about all of these great things that they've done, near impossible things that they've overcome. And then at the same time, they're like, but 
I don't know how to dance, so I can't make a good TikTok. Or like they just put out their own fire because they've just been trained that it's not enough or it's not good enough or it's not worth putting out. And so I don't know. I just really, I always compared my services to like a gas station. Like I don't necessarily want to coach anybody and tell them this is what you do to get to this point. And this is what I've done. And if you follow my perfect 10-step program, you will be the glorious, most bestest person in the whole world, you know? No. On this journey, you have peaks and valleys. And whenever you need that companionship or whenever you're on that journey and you need to recharge and refuel, that's where I want the wellness champion to serve as. You can navigate through this space alone. You already have what it takes. I truly believe it. But sometimes you do need a thought partner. Sometimes you do need somebody that just says, you know what? I believe in you. That can take you a long way. This reminds me of another, I love quotes, but this reminds me of a quote that I heard the other day during a workout. I was stretching and the instructor said, please know that you are beautiful. And that is the least, most interesting thing about you. I want that to be the space. I want people to feel seen, heard, and to know that as you're coming, those are the least What I see and what I can just take in without even having a conversation with you, those are the least most interesting things about you. And I can't wait to get to know more. Oh, it's so good. And it reminds me of a quote I heard earlier today. I was listening to a book about burnout to just kind of prep for this conversation. There's a great book by a woman named Emily. I feel like her last name starts with an R. I'll link to it in the show notes for the listener. If you haven't read it, Tiffany, I'll send it over to you too. And she actually has a a really great section about beauty too. And I think it was in that beauty section and the beauty standards and how that burns us out. She shared a quote that I wrote down that said, what if I could just decide that I was valuable and it was true? And I believe that was Lindy West who said that. And I feel like that's such a great takeaway because it seems like at the root of the burnout we've been discussing today, Tiffany, it's the fear of not being valuable. It's the fear of not being good enough, the fear of not getting our needs met, whether that's financially or the validation we crave, the love we're looking for. Like there's deep survival concerns going on. And that has us having a tendency to conform or to change ourselves that, and then not stop and recharge because we're afraid if we do that we won't be able to continue on or we'll be left behind. And I love your metaphor of the gas station, you know, like, or for me with my electric car, like there's only so far I can go before I have to literally recharge the battery. And it's okay to stop and do that. It's not just okay, it's necessary. And Tiffany, hearing you share so much. I feel like you have so much clarity. I want to send you the transcript of this episode just to be like, there it is. You have your niche. It's all there. I see it all, Tiffany. Like You're a living example of the process of the unveiling of yourself. And I, having been in the creation world and the entrepreneurship world for so long, like I've gotten to the point of TikTok. I have 11,000 followers. When you mentioned the 2.5, I was like, I don't feel like 11,000 is that much. Like To me, there's like no difference between those two numbers. But we have been caught up in the measurements that make us feel like just get to 10K, it's going to be this different. Well, I can tell you firsthand, it really isn't that different. And if anything, it brings in more stress because then people start pretending that they value you more because they see your numbers. I've had that happen to me so much in my career of like any external metrics that somebody could see from my accounts. Like people start trying to like pretend that they like you, pretend that they value you when really they just want something. It happened right before 
we started recording, Tiffany. I had someone reach out to me and do a little bit of a bait and switch in a way that made me feel uncomfortable. They're like, hey, we want to interview you. And I was like, oh, cool. And then after I said I was interested, then they're like, yeah, but we also want to be on your podcast. And I was like, wait a second. I think I get where you're coming from. Like you want to swap, you want to like do that. But you started started off saying that you wanted to interview me. And there was not even a pause. Like people sometimes lose sight of we need to build connection before we ask for something from somebody. And when you're going into the mutual aid side of things, like I feel you on that, Tiffany, because so much can come out of giving and taking from one another like that sometimes equal, sometimes you give a little bit more than you get and that's okay. I think it's absolutely beautiful. But like to try to just convince somebody that it's conditional, like that rubs me the wrong way. And that stuff unfortunately happens the more successful you become. And that's the trade off. And there's benefits to, quote, being smaller. And there's benefits to being, quote, being niched down and all of that. And sometimes I think just meeting ourselves where we're at and like feeling like that's enough and going back to that Lindy West quote of just like deciding that you're valuable and that is true. And it doesn't take any sort of external measurement because there's a cost to the external measurement that might not even serve you. That is worth like getting your journal out and like honestly like pausing the episode right here if I could invite the listeners to do so is just like sit with that for a minute and take advantage of the fact that like the rest of this episode will be here or just take a moment and process it and then come back. Take it in chunks of course always inviting like replays and sharing with friends and everything but yeah, take that moment and like digest that. Another point that quote brought up for me was talking about neurodivergence as it relates to creativity. It was my coping strategy. It was how I survived in these spaces for so long. Being able to contribute creatively, being able to have an interesting take on things and problem solve, you know, like, oh, and here is it in a pretty presentation that I hand drawn just because this is what I do. So it goes beyond like social media as far as like having that worth and being able to do it. I do think the interesting thing on TikTok is like they're mirroring neurodivergence. Like some of the norms, they're like encouraging people to be a little like ADHD brain, you know, like just drop all these ideas, just like spitball, tell a story, make it interesting, you know? And it's like, this is literally what I've done every day. And I've been told that like, I'm all over the place and I'm messy and like whatever. And then you get on TikTok and it's like, oh, she's so quirky, relatable, you know? And it's like, For real? Like, where were you in high school? But anyway, so like these spaces of acceptance, I think that there are true pockets of where we see how valuable we are as creatives, but it gets silent. And during those silent parts, we have to hold on and still have those anchors to the acceptance. Like there are those patches of sunshine where people get it and they might not get it forever. We might not be able to contribute that way forever. But there is a mellow hum still in your creativity that just allows you to show up in spaces and get that ring. But even in the times where you've convinced yourself that it's silent and you're not good enough or your art or whatever project is a reflection of whatever you're going through, just go through the fields, do what you have to do, take care of yourself and like trust that it's going to return. It might be a little different. It might look a little funky. It might take some adjustment, but like Unfortunately, the cheering or the ringing won't be as loud all the time, but that doesn't change your value. And so I think 
I mean, even TikTok, the algorithm, the way it shifts and pivots and moves and the keywords that it wants you to say, or a couple months ago, you could say LinkedIn bio and everybody was saying like, do not make content without saying LinkedIn bio. And then like a couple months later, it's like, never say this phrase ever again, or you'll get shadow banned. And for those of us that are a little late to trends, me, I'm like, gosh, I just started saying it. Like I finally got the courage to say it. And now you're telling me it's wrong. Oh my goodness. But yes. So the consistency, you have to channel inwards and to fine tune that voice because that's what's going to be the true champion. I call myself the wellness champion, but the true champion is you. And hopefully that my voice will be able to ring through to some true things and you carry that with you and I can pass the baton and say, you're the champion now. Like you go ahead, you prosper. And whenever you need to come back and have that conversation, the gas station, whether you're getting gas or some snacks, favorite snacks, the best snacks, whatever you need on your journey, take a moment, decompress, pause, let me pour love into you and then trust that I'll take time to recharge myself so you don't owe me anything or it'll find its way back to me and that you can carry on with your journey and pay it forward. So I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about like the world that we can tap into, but like we have this agreement that like we don't deserve to be there or we don't deserve this shine, but we do. Tiffany, it's no wonder you love quotes so much. Or maybe, I don't know, what came first? Like, you are you are full of great quotes. <laughs> like, I mean, so many things that I, my brain can't even keep up with the powerfulness of some of the things that you've said. And it's just a beautiful thing to witness because it's there's so much profound wisdom and how you think about things and explore it and honor yourself and pour love into other people. It's just a deep gift that you have that's witnessing that today has been absolutely lovely. And I just want to be there to support your endeavors however I can, you know, because I'm so, so in this with you. And I think actually, my hunch is that what we've been talking about today is likely to become a trend or a number of things that we've mentioned and not saying that from like, oh, we've got the answers. But I have a feeling based on burnout being so intense for people that they're going to start yearning for this. So you actually might be very ahead of the game in the work that you're doing right now, Tiffany. And I think staying on the path that you're on is going to be so important, regardless of if it ever becomes a trend. Like, who cares? It could happen. It might not. But regardless, you are helping people. You've helped me. I'm sure you've helped the listeners on so many different levels. You help people on TikTok, regardless of if your videos go viral or however many followers. Like, I just want to be that reminder of the impact that you've made here today. And it also seems like it's just the beginning. You're just getting started with this. You're, you're, you're clarifying, you're building your foundation. And I just feel delighted to witness that unveiling for you. So thanks for taking the time with me and the listener today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And for the listener who might be feeling eager, Tiffany, what's the best starting place to if they're like want to jump into everything? Should they go to TikTok to begin? Do you have a website landing page we should send them to first? Like just making it simple. What's the next step from here? Definitely TikTok and Instagram. Hopefully it'll be revived by the beginning of next year. But TikTok is honestly where I show up the most truthful right now, the most comfortable with showing up as my full self. So 
TikTok, definitely at the Wellness Champion. Perfect. So for the listener, I'm going to link to that in two places. Easiest place is right below your podcast player. If you're not already in the show notes section of wellevator.com, where you can certainly go. Again, that's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. There's a full blog post transcript. If you're like me and enjoy reading things, checking out quotes, absorbing the written word is really helpful for my brain. That's why the blog post is there for you and all the resources, the links to the books we mentioned, whatnot is all there along with Tiffany's TikTok. But if you are not there and you don't want to go there, it's okay because you can look below your podcast player. And in that description, that short description will be a link to Tiffany's TikTok. So you can start your journey with her and join me there. You'll see me in the comments section, giving her hearts, commenting on the things I'm so excited about and learning and all of that. So I really encourage you to to go jump in there. And if you're not on TikTok, it's wonderful that you're on Instagram too, Tiffany. I have a feeling it's a very short period of time before the majority of people are on TikTok. But I'm also already starting to think about like, what's going to come after TikTok? Like, what's the next thing? We'll see. But I always like to remind people, you don't have to even have a TikTok account to watch videos because you can watch them in the web browser. So you don't have to sign up. You can literally open up on your phone or or on your computer, TikTok and scroll through videos like Tiffany's without ever having to be part of the platform. So there's really no excuse. (laughs) Right. That might be better to individually like pick how you consume that content. Yes, exactly. For your well-being. I mean, it might be something else I'll experiment with as we enter into 2023. I know this episode is already out in 2023, but Tiffany and I are still in this moment in 2022. So there's a lot to consider about what's next for us. And I can't wait to see what that is for you, Tiffany. So thanks again for joining me today. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.